Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Still in recovery mode, Justin. How about you? Uh, yeah, very much so. It was a whirlwind weekend followed by a whirlwind catch-up period. I am uh, right there with you. But, Kirby, uh, we enjoyed uh, wonderful weather for the 500, I would say. Maybe as best as I can remember. Really, the whole month, they had one rain out on the opening day of practice. And other than that, it was really great weather for the track. Kerb, um, we've got two things to accomplish today. we got to you know, go through the Indy 500 and the ins and outs of that. we got very quickly got to do a quick turnaround. And we got the Detroit race on a new track this weekend. We'll have to do our picks for that race as well. So let's get to it, shall we? Lead the way. Um, did you happen to watch the Charlotte 600 on Monday? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Was, that, was that on the list of two things we had to do? To the show? It was, it was. Just get <laughs> some of this stuff out of the way first. I didn't either, by the way. There was a crash between Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott. I saw the headlines. Okay, so Denny Hamlin... His car just started drifting up the track, pushed Chase Elliott into the wall. There was no malice in it. His car, he just kind of lost it. His car just started drifting out. He was off the gas. He was clearly trying to keep it down on the track. And then Chase Elliott uh, takes great offense to that and just basically turns right into him and causes this rather substantial wreck. And for the first time uh, that in a long time that I could see uh, NASCAR actually suspended somebody for actually wrecking somebody on purpose. The headline, the headline I saw said that they had to suspend him because they suspended Bubba Wallace last year for doing the same Ooh. thing. Oh, like the president had been said, if he didn't suspend Elliot this time, then, then what does that mean? Kind of thing. Oh, I didn't, God, there's always, there's always some political angle to these things, aren't there? Unfortunately, it can be taken that way. Um, I mean, if it was Kyle Larson that got suspended last year, I suppose they'd say the same thing. I just wanted to annoy you by mentioning NASCAR to start off Seth, uh, mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Kerb, let's talk about the race, shall we? The 500, Indianapolis 500. The IndyCar race? Yes, the IndyCar oh, race. Okay, yeah. You and I were both there. We tailgated together. We did. We shotgunned a beer together. And, those beers and, plural. We, those beers plural. We shotgun. Right. And we didn't share a beer. No, but, but uh, exactly. And, and uh, I, I just, you know, so we, we, we lived it. We, uh, we walked the walk and talked the talk. Big crowd, right? Wouldn't you say? Great crowd. Uh, largest since uh, the, the 100th running, I guess, right? Largest since 2016. For some bizarre reason, um, we had no trouble getting to your tailgate area. That yeah, was a mystery to me too. <laughs> so shocked. Uh, television ratings. God, I mean, uh, you know, the, the amount of uh, Twitter Roddy, uh, you know, highlighting the television ratings. Uh, Curb, uh, what's your off-the-cuff comment about the television ratings? <laughs> to, to me, they're disappointing. I mean, they I know they're up two percent, but that was two percent off of the lowest rating in, you know, how long, right? They're putting a positive spin on it by focusing on the share. I guess they had the highest share of tv sets in use um in a long time but 
I don't, care, I don't care what the share is. The number of viewers is the number of viewers, right? We go over this all the time. And I think we, you know, set this up saying, look, if they had another drop this year, it was going to be a disaster right. um, for, for the series. I'm not sure a 2% rise is is a success story either. I, I, I My feeling is exactly the same as yours on this. I, I was like, what? That's okay. That's at least it's not a drop, but geez, doesn't seem that great to me. Additional spin, I guess it's NBC's highest rated Sunday afternoon sporting event since the U.S. Open golf tournament last June. You know, they're, they're trying out all these kind of anecdotes to uh, dress it up. But um, you know, 4.9 million is 4.9 million versus, you know, what, 6 million a few years ago, right? So, if it was our podcast, I'd be disappointed. How's that? Yeah, me too. I hope that I hope that does not portend as for ill as much as we think it does. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It may be just good enough, but I mean, and if it is just good enough, but it's not going to be big money for the series, that's for sure. I, I had to laugh. Twitter's just a, a sewer. Well, I, I try to limit the follows that I have. So. Right. But yeah, we, we do a very good job with the podcast uh, of that. Um, and <laughs> right. and uh, but I think, you know, sometimes you can't help yourself and you just, you know, it's like clickbait and you kind of start reading and right. somebody, so, you know, and you get all these kind of rah-rahs, uh, especially when I was talking about the ratings. And one of the rah-rahs was, you know, I think, uh, you know, 100, 100 Days to Indy had a big effect here. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Curb, let's get to the, I, I think, the, the pachyderm in the, in the parlor, the elephant in the room. And, I, I, and you and I haven't talked about this, nor have we texted about this. So I think we got to be clear that this is, for our audience, this is just raw, baby. We, raw. We went our separate ways on Sunday afternoon. And, uh, yeah, and we're just yeah, now we, don't, we don't sit together. And part of the reason we do this is so we can have this raw conversation that's, uh, that's after right. the race. And that's the other right. part is my brother's an idiot and never re-upped on his tickets in time. But well, there's that, too. Yeah. yeah, there's that. But whatever the case is. We haven't discussed this, and I'm really curious because I, I, you know, I definitely have an opinion. I'm sure you definitely have an opinion. What did you think of how the race ended? I was very surprised with the last red flag. I don't mind it, particularly because when they threw the yellow that, that generated that last red flag, it was kind of chaos in terms of who was who was going to be anointed the leader, right? So, I mean, where you were sitting and I was sitting, I think Joseph Newgarden came around in first place and. And uh, so you think he's going to win on the yellow, but then they come back and tell you that no, it's Erickson, then Newgarden, then then Ferrucci, right? So yeah. it yeah. just had the it had the stink of a Helio, you know, Paul Tracy kind of finish, where officials are going to look at a tape and tell you who won, and and then they're going to drive around and a couple laps under the yellow, and that's going to be a finish. So I think in today's world, they're under great pressure to provide a green flag finish whenever possible. And I think that's going to be the reality going forward, and you've got to accept it and deal with it. All right, that's an interesting view. I I didn't like it. I didn't. I, I, what I didn't like, I didn't mind red flagging it so you can have a green flag finish. What I didn't like is doing it so late that there's really only one flying lap, because it basically anoints who has who's ever in second in the current configuration of the cars as the winner. And I'll I'll make a confession here, which I probably should make. I still have yet to watch the end of the race on television. I haven't gotten that far yet. No, I'm, I'm right there. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think I watched it once, but I was actually asleep. So I okay, I yeah. I haven't got back again. God, I got back from the race, and I yeah. sat down to watch it. I don't think I lasted 30 seconds, really? and I was out. I was just out. 
for four hours. So memory serves. It was lap four or five, right? When all that happened, the last yellow, correct? You mean four to go? Four to go. I think they I think I think they came to the green with four to go. Let's just say it's right for the purposes of this discussion. Right. Okay. And then people can yell at their listening device if we're wrong. To me, like the one thing that would have improved it uh dramatically if they said, Okay, red flag, boom. And and at least leave two flying laps because I think Without giving the guy in first a chance to respond, just like having a yellow and have a yellow flag ending anoints one, having it the way they did it anointed the guy in second place to win, which for me was, you know, frankly, annoyingly Joseph Newgarden. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I didn't like that it started reminding me of a NASCAR race. What I did like about it is they did end it, you know, it was a green ending. If You know, I talked to several people who were watching the race on television and they thought, oh, what a crazy great ending. They they liked it, right? Right. These are not hardcore race fans. These are casual race fans, okay? Right, right. So I think for the populace at large, for the 2% increased television viewing and for the sake of the series, which let's face it, is having issues, it's probably the right thing to do. So I'm not going to sit there and say it was the wrong thing to do because, you know, given the state of the current state of the series and what their goals are and what their near-term goals need to be, it was probably the right thing to do. But I would prefer to have kind of hard and fast rule that if there's not at least three laps remaining, you can't throw the red flag under for those circumstances for a green flag for the sole purpose of a green flag finish i think they're going to try to distinguish themselves from nascar and green white checkers by limiting their race lengths to the the stated race length if it's 500 miles it's not going to be 505 miles so they can do two extra laps for a green white checker i heard it um interview with tim Sindrick. you know the interviewer asked him you know does indycar tell you here's a hard and fast rule before this lap or after this lap you know, it will or won't go red flag. And he says, no, they don't, because you can't predict every situation. He says, you know, they just tell us if it's all possible, they will red flag a race to try to get a green flag finish, and they'll abandon procedures to uh, make that happen if they have to. Supposedly the teams have been told that. They can't say they weren't made aware, I guess, based on what he said. But I agree with your point there. It, I think because of where the accident happened and the fact that, you know, the lead car is probably halfway around the track by the time uh, – they get organized and get the pace car out to gather up the field and that kind of thing. I think that might have contributed to their inability to get that third lap saved for, for the finish. Yeah. Curb, yeah. Uh, at the uh, pre-race uh, uh, tailgate, your uh, wife uh, shited me uh, about uh, this particular subject matter, so this is for her. Did you think <laughs> Danica added anything to the telecast? I hate to say it, but she did add a little bit. What? To, uh, to something I saw, yeah. Okay, and what was that? Uh, I think it was after the VK incident in the pits where he lost control and his car spun to the left. And I think, and her, she pointed out that she said these all these cars must have a lot of weight on the left front to help them turn left in the turns, right? So she thinks she said that probably is contributing to these problems these guys are having in the pits where they you know, they spin the tires and 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 the car just wants to go left because of all the the bias or weight or whatever they put into it to try to help it go through the turns on the track. So. I, you know what? I did hear her say that, and I'll, I'll make the concession. You're right. 
that was somewhat insightful. But I can tell you for a fact, up until that point. And, and, and what about her unkempt hair? It kind of made her look uh, I don't know, more interesting than usual. And the pink outfit. I don't know I, about I thought, the pink outfit, but the hair, the hair well, is. Uh, well, maybe wonder what she was doing between uh, on screen times. The whole turn, uh, you know, the the pink outfit combined with the unkept hair. Dare I say, uh, she's kind of taking a left turn into the matronly category. Yeah, see, it didn't have that effect for me. It had the kind of opposite effect. <laughs> well, maybe that's your thing. <laughs> <laughs> She was classically, in my view, up. You're right. That, there was that one comment that was good, but she just seemed classically unprepared again, and just said just statements of the absolute obvious, which everybody know. Uh, like one of them, like like one of her big themes was tires are a big deal. Yes, that's you know, true. Anybody in racing would tell you that the tires are everything. <laughs> right. You know. I mean, again, I just think she adds nothing. And I agree that more often than not. Her comments do seem rather vapid. Kerbitz, um, you you mentioned VK, uh, you mentioned Catherine Leg. Uh, let me let me tackle Catherine Leg first, okay? Okay. Is she, uh, is she she's never coming back, right? For the 500, she she broke uh, Stefan Wilson's back. She again heavy left uh, front or not? She she put it into the wall, pulling out of the pits. And it was just damn lucky she didn't, because she went right into somebody else's pit and would have cleaned anybody up if they were out there. Right, right. Um, so she's just damn lucky she didn't kill somebody in, in the process. I know Catherine Leg. I think we, you know, I think you and I, I mean, we're not Catherine Leg haters. We we were kind of there in the dark days of cart when she was there and, you know, wishing her the best. and Barrel rolling down the street. The- the straightaway there at the uh, Road America, right? Yeah, yep. Um, and I think you know she's an accomplished sports car dri- driver. And I think when she came to cart, she had very little experience. I mean, that, you know, she probably shouldn't even have been there to be honest with the experience she had. So, I, I look. I, I, this is I'm not a, a slammer or misogynist of Catherine Leg, but at the end of the day, I, I don't think she's come back. I mean, she's there's just one too many mistakes in my opinion for to get somebody to invite her back. What what say you? Well, I think they'd be well served to to go find Simone Di Sylvester and bring her back instead. Um, I don't know if she's too linked to the Beth Barrett effort to to do anything else, but uh, you know, if Honda wants to to push that agenda again next year, then I think Simona might be a better candidate. Well, not might be. I'm sure she would be a better candidate. Catherine Lake supporters would point out that she did outqualify all of her full time teammates at Ray Hall, but that aside, she had uh, plenty of trouble. Like I said, I mean, it, it, you got to think if you're a car owner or something, it's like, nah, I don't want to take that project on again next year. Um, we talked about VK. He actually did do something kind of similar in the pits and, uh, again, took out uh, took out Palau, which uh, didn't take him out, but, uh, you know, definitely hurt him. Um, sure. Okay. I don't know if you caught uh, Palau's uh, radio transmission after that. It made me chuckle. I, I forget the word for word, but I, got the, I remember the, the sense of it, yeah. He said, what an absolute legend. <laughs> the 21, yeah. On the rare occasions when those guys get candid, that is usually entertaining. Well, you think about, you know, this uh, Benelux country uh, Amazon special VK, you know, and, and all that. And, you know, like things like that just kind of stick in the craw of a lot of drivers. Um, and I, I, I think VK is probably one of those. Six in the craw of a lot. 
Indy car drivers in general is like, why does that guy have his own Amazon special about his accomplishments? You know, when I've got a hundred times more accomplishments than he does. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Because dad's rich, and uh, I think it. There's probably a whole not very not often uttered, but just in the back of drivers' minds, just like uh, resentment over things like that. Well, interesting enough, I saw today that uh, Ed Carpenter will be testing Linus Lundquist. Uh, in the near future at Sebring. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. That's interesting. I think VK falls into this category, and Rosenquist, I think, has now put himself in this category of like, you know, they're good drivers, but they just can't quite seem to get there. They can't close the deal. No. You see, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's got to be frustrating for him, frustrating for Zach Brown and the Aaron McLaren team. Whatever chances he thought he had at sticking with that team are probably long gone now. Just put a, I think for Rosenquist, like we're done talking about whether he's going to stay at McLaren. I mean, I think it's it's over. He's not going back to McLaren next year. The, I think the only thing that maybe could have put him in that place is to win the 500. Now, I don't think he made a huge mistake. You know, I think he just got some wash backwash off of, uh, I think it was New Garden's car and uh, just drifted up in the wall. I don't think it was a huge, huge mistake, but um he could he couldn't afford a mistake. He had to be perfect that day in order to have a job at McLaren next year. Well, I'm not even sure it matters. They don't have room in their shop for a fourth full time car. They're not gonna build a new facility anymore. They're gonna buy Andretti's shop, but they gotta wait for Andretti to move out. So they're like two years away, I think, from being able to physically expand a four car team. Kurt, what do you make of the tire? Dude, that went right by. <laughs> that was close to us. Really? So, yeah. I mean, I I didn't even see Kirkwood go upside down because I watched his tire go right across the you know, we're in row double E, right? And uh, probably went across our section, you know, around row, the 10th row or something. So whatever that would be. And across the section next to us and over the, uh, over the end of the, the section of the stands and down into that area just between the suites and the, and uh, our stand. And I, you know, and before the, a, before and the and rate, into a very lucky woman's car, yeah, who I'm sure yeah, is driving well, around something new and nice right now. I think it's probably true, but um, yeah. before the race, there were tons of people down in that area. I had no idea how many were down there at that time, but it was, you feared the worst sitting up there in the stands and watching that thing go over the, the end of the of the stands. And uh, yeah, of course, there are people kind of relaying thumbs up, letting people know that it was okay. But uh, I, I was, I thought there was a very good chance somebody was dead down there. Very happy to find out there wasn't for lots of reasons. I don't think you're the only one. I guess the question is, you know, where to from here on that? I'm sure their insurance company didn't ignore that completely. Well, Rogers promised he's been peppered with this a lot. He has promised a full scale, you know, research investigation into the car itself and what happened and why get separated from the car. People are talking about taller fences, but I don't know how how tall do you make a fence, right? That it can't ever get over. The last time that happened at Indianapolis back in I think it was '87, they said, and that tire got punted, you know. To the upper third of the of the stands in the short shoot between three and four. The the answer is almost the one that the insurance companies will never expect you know accept, which is oh it's a freak accident. They don't like answers like that. No good. Con- Curb is Stingray Rob becoming completely unlikable. He's trying. He is for me. I I love the name, but I have grown to dislike him completely. And for him to kind of like blame. Ray Hall for that wreck is just ludicrous, and I I don't think he's going to make a lot of friends in that paddock uh, with talk like that. I agree. I I also kind of observed it seemed like a almost a sea change in 
comments and attitudes from IndyCar drivers over prior years where they all seem to be so, you know, buddy, buddy and things happen and I'm sure he didn't mean to do it and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Pato Awards says, well, next time Erickson's going to make friends with the wall. And uh, as you know, was talking tough about Scott McLaughlin, I think, for, for their get together. And I, it made me wonder if that TV show was making them kind of consciously not filtering themselves for the good of the TV show and hopefully the good of the series. Uh, just, it was weird. And, and yeah, a guy like Rob, like you say, who has no, you know, just. He's got nothing. He's, he's not established. He hasn't established himself enough to be able to go out and make those kind of comments about other drivers. Here's um, my advice to Stingray Rob. If you don't, if you'll allow me curb. Yeah. You, you've been in the series two seconds. You didn't get into it on merit. You got in there because, you know, Daddy, daddy bought your way in. And you've got a lot of proving yourself to do before you can start slagging off on anybody. So just shut up. Well, unfortunately, daddy's money often is involved in IndyCar racing. But, you know, it isn't just, oh, I'm going to, you know, remember Graham Rahal. It was on the first day of qualifying. He, he wasn't happy with his team, right? And he said so on TV. Yeah, so exactly. It, it, was, so, it wasn't a one-time commentary. It was more than once. And, uh, stop behaving like a petulant child. And and really, you're, you 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 got to race with those guys next week. You know, right. have you ever thought of that? Yeah, take all the Bible scriptures off your helmet in your car. Well, I don't, he could do that all he wants. I, I'm fine with that. But you, know, you, you can't. You, you can, but he's not walking the walk. I mean, he's great point. He's great talking. point. Yeah, yeah. You're you're making yourself look like even more of an ass. No no turning of the other cheek. There, I would spank him if he was my child. <laughs> So apparently there's a kerfuffle. Everybody's uh, about Townsend Bell and James Hinchcliffe arguing about the Santino Ferrucci pit stop, I think. Did you, have you seen that? Yes, uh, I did see the argument. Or, yes, I did. And how, I haven't seen that yet. How did it go over? Well, it or, it went over like two idiots talking about, not you know, the, the, neither of them knew the rule. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it was kind of like, uh, I forget it was Long Beach or something else where they were telling everybody it was one thing and it was that wasn't anywhere near the case you right. know yeah and i don't expect townsend bell or james hinchcliffe to know every rule by the way i don't need them studying the rule book and you know being you know super well versed on everything but yeah i was like townsend that was over that that tire was over the white line no it wasn't and then they show the replay it was it clearly was and it's like well then you know that's a penalty and well neither of them knew what the penalty was or if there was a penalty, it just made them both look stupid. Well, but at least it got them off of talking about fuel saving. Nobody likes to get excited about somebody being penalized more than Townsend Bell. So I'm sure uh, you know, right on uh, that. Again, I implore NBC, bring back Paul Tracy. I think Paul Tracy and James Hinchcliffe would be a nice pair. It might not be a bad pair. But then we'd have nobody to ride the, uh, the surfboard at Long Beach. I'd like to see Paul and Danica together. Anyways... <laughs> That'd be the best. Yeah. Curb, uh, you ready for picks for Detroit? Curb, it's hard to pick for Detroit because, A, they've never raced on this course. I suppose that gets you leaning towards more established multi-car teams as the best chance who will, you know, make the appropriate uh, corrections quick enough, right? Sure. I, I have, suppose. Uh, you think they have the best baselines, yeah. I've got first pick here. This might shock you. And so I'm going to go Pato Award. I, um, I'm going to go with Colton Hurdle. Wow, that's a little shocking. They, their strength seems to be street courses, so. That's a good point. Gone on too far not to pick Joseph Newgarden at this point. So, Joe New. Uh, 8,500 hangover. I'm going to go. I'll jump over to Alex Palau. 
I mean, I, I think it's hard to believe we waited that long to pick him. Right, right. And I'm going to shock you probably yet again and say Marcus Erickson. No Scott Dixon. Well, I mean, I, I, you look at Marcus Erickson and his performance on street courses so far this year, and again, he's just sneaking in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. For Rooch? <laughs> no, you know, I've, I've read some people saying, oh, this is the beginning of uh, you know, the takeoff for Ferrucci and, and Michael Cannon. They're going to get quite going the right direction the rest of the season. Yeah, only if they race at the Speedway every other exactly. race of the season. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I'll go Scotty M. Scotty M. Interesting choice. More of a heart pick than a head pick. My head just, my heart couldn't go with my head. So. Yeah, looking at the rest of the field, uh, possible head picks include uh, Kyle Kirkwood. That, who, that was uh, the one I, I, that was the one I couldn't pull the trigger on. <laughs> who had an extremely uh, dominating performance at Long Beach. You got to kind of feel like he's uh, he's a head pick. Scott Dixon. Same, same with Grosjean. Uh, Same with Grosjean, even even Rossi at this point starting to kind of come good. I would suggest Dixon. Uh, you know, always uh, always kind of in there. I, I gotta say at this point, I'm I'm Erickson over Dixon. Strange as that may seem. Armstrong has been good for Ganassi on the street courses, and uh, this will be one where nobody has any experience. I wonder if that'll give him a little bit more of a competitive chance than than the other tracks where everybody else has years of experience. Great point. Levels the playing field. It doesn't level it completely because let's face it he doesn't have anywhere near the experience that these other guys have but um it, it definitely no gets them closer to a level playing field uh one last thing we've been uh, keeping track of the leader circle standings down at the bottom see who's in and who's out over the last few races and um and this time obviously both his third place finish and his qualifying points have boosted ferrucci uh well clear of the cutoff for leader circle money so he's up to 15th place in the leader circle standings, 63 points for Devlin Francesco, who scored his most points of the season with 17 and uh, got himself above the cutoff line by a two-point margin over a recently sliding Augustin Canapino. After a strong start, Canapino scored single-digit points the last four races and is sliding back towards the abyss. Uh, unfortunate to see that. Uh, and Pagno's just, ugh. Pagano is six points behind Canapino. Uh, he's got to be frustrated. Yeah. Curve. On that uh, on that note, let's uh, let's call it a day. Twitter at Hero H I R O IndyCar at Hero IndyCar. Hope everybody enjoys the race, and we'll be back to recap it uh, shortly thereafter, or longly thereafter, hopefully. All right, Curve. Good night, everybody. Have a good one. Take care.